Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, and today I am so happy to share a Firebird Book Award-winning author with you. He is Leith C. MacArthur, and his book, his award-winning book, is titled The Death of Harry Crow. As a young boy, Leith became fascinated with the craft of writing after reading Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Inspired, he sought out other depictors of darkness, despair, and redemption, allowing him to be drawn into the fictitious world of mystery and adventure, penned by the likes of Poe, Robert Louis Stevenson, Mickey Spillane, and others. At the age of 10, he began writing short stories and poems that tended toward the macabre. Two years later, he wrote his first novelette, Jerry the Germ, the tale of a lowly life form who finds his purpose within the grand scheme through tragedy and loss. He then went on to write several novels slated for future publications, as well as the memoir and artificial life before focusing on several related stories that eventually became the William Snow series titled Beneath the Bridge, The Stones of Mirabella, The Finding Man, The Death of Harry Crow, and The Man in the Moon. And I am just thrilled to share him with you. So <laughs> welcome to the network, Leith. Hi, Pat. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to laugh, Leith, because you and I have Jerry the Germ in common. Um, really? Yes. I, as I mentioned before we went on air, I've been the host of a patient safety radio program for the last 11 years, and one of our longstanding ads features Jerry the Germ, who has... No. <laughs> no seriously, <laughs> I'll send some to you, who has weekly health care and hospital safety tips like asking doctors to wash their hands before touching you or wearing footies when you get out of the hospital bed so you don't drag germs from the floor back into the bed. So maybe my Jerry's related to your Jerry. That is great. Do you spell Jerry with a G? <laughs> yes. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. No, it's good. Good stuff. It is good. good you, it is. I know. Good for me. I know. For, bo for both of us, we came up with that same thought. I'll send you a couple of the audio spots later on so you can hear my Jerry. Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, congratulations on the book win. Thank you. I Thank was, you very much. I was, I was excited about it. I am excited about it. Right. It's my first truly, you know... My first true foray into the world of literature, I mean, I've written 10 books, but this is the first one I felt was really good enough to, to put out there into the world. So uh, I'm excited that it's getting a little bit of recognition. Good. Well, I'm glad we were able to be a part of that journey with you. Now, I saw on your website that you've had many vocations and avocations during your lifetime. How has all of that colored your writing? 55 to be exact. <laughs> vocations, oh, oh, vocations. I'm not oh, kidding. I have a list. I wrote it down somewhere. I never want to see it again. <laughs> what was your question? I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I said as I was reading that, I thought, oh my, I love how all of that must come together to really color your writing. Well, if, you know, it does. I mean, I, any writer, particularly a novelist, like, I guess any writer would tell you that whatever they write is is an amalgam of their experiences in their, their their lives and the people they've met and the things they've been through and the things they've dreamed and imagined and it's all it all comes together in the in the writing. Yep. Well some folks have a more narrow range of experiences, fifty five vocations and avocations. That's that, that's <laughs> a lot. So you've got a lot of well, writing left to do. No, it's actually it's fun because I, I get to um 
you know, I get to create characters who do all these different things, and they don't do them very well because I didn't, I didn't stick with one thing or another for very long. So, so my characters uh, are probably uh, not, uh, you know, professors and scientists and and heart surgeons, but they're uh, you know, they're just regular folks out there trying to make their way through the world. Well, they're real. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Let's do that. All right. Well, why don't you give us a little peek into the book, The Death of Harry Crow? Well, it's the, it's the third in a series, uh, a series of four or five right now, actually, um, as you as you eloquently uh, indicated in the beginning there. Um, William Snow is a guy who who's, his, daughter, his sister, his baby sister was abducted and murdered when he was a kid, and he had... Uh, he had had a sense that it was going to happen and didn't say anything and, and feels guilty about it. So he, he moves into the world with this feeling that he should have done more. And, and one thing leads to another, and he becomes an advocate for finding missing children. And in fact, he becomes a, an investigator who looks for missing children. Although he's not, of course, he doesn't have a license because that would mean he'd have to have done it for some time and, <laughs> and uh, taken a test. But um, he decides that that's his that's the way he's supposed to move through the world is to, to help by finding missing children. And he's, and he's passionate about it. And he, he realizes that he has this sense about things, a deep sense of intuition, which is what he had before his sister died. And it turns into a, uh, it turns into a tool that he uses uh, to help find kids. Unfortunately, it, it's, he doesn't get visions. He doesn't get, uh, you know, sentences that tell him which way to go, but he gets these these sort of puzzles and they come inside out and backwards and sideways and it drives him crazy and so that makes things even more difficult for him but he in the death of harry crow he's he's asked to find a a teenage girl who's been, gone missing and uh, doesn't have much to go on until he realizes that uh some of the people that may be involved in her in her missing were also involved in a car crash four years before a crash that had killed the girl's father which doesn't make any sense um, that they're connected. But he has this deep sense that they are connected, and no one believes him, of course. Uh, he goes to the police, and he tries to get some help elsewhere, but he winds up uh, tracking down a number of people who were, in fact, in one way or another, connected to this tr- accident, which truly was an accident. And in the process, he stumbles into a, a character known as the driver, who's a, uh, he's a professional hitman, an independent contractor who has lost his mind and is, is off on this, what he calls the, the, uh, the grand plan, uh, which God told him to, to, uh, to perform after this accident. And so the, the threads of this, of these connections start coming together later on in the story. And, and, you know, of course, Snow ultimately winds up confronting the driver in a very unusual ending, which is not, you know, most folks kind of figure out what they, they think is going to happen in a, in a story like that. I was about to call it a simple story, but it's not a simple story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the ending is quite, uh, it's quite different, and um, perhaps that had something to do with the award. I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated by your characters and the character development. I don't sense that you sat there ahead of time and sketched them all out in your mind and figured all of that. I'm imagining that they were coming to you. Let's just talk about how the characters happened. Well, let me just say that when I was younger, much younger, there was a a, a tragedy in the family, and uh, it relates to, it's somewhat relatable to what happened to uh, Snow's sister. 
And I was frustrated because it occurred in a foreign country and no one did anything about it. And um, it was just it was just ignored essentially by the authorities. And I became so angry. I mean, I wanted to hop on a plane. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. I wanted to hop on a plane and fly to Germany and kill the guy. But I couldn't and I didn't. And I exploded with rage one day and sat down and started writing what I thought I would do mm-hmm. if I found him. And that began the William Snow series. So I found that I could create these characters out of people I had either liked or not liked during the course of my life. And I also found that it was best if I didn't try to think ahead. I don't outline and I don't even try to imagine what's going to happen next. And when I sit down, it just, <clears throat> it just sort of comes out. And it occurs, and it's so much fun because I don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. I I was halfway through the death of Harry Crow, and I couldn't wait to get to the end because I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, it was so so much fun. Um, but I, I hope those characters reflect that because um, I didn't try to get too deeply into their psyches, but just enough so that they you know they could be fully fleshed out and and they would operate in a way that I think folks in those situations would operate. That's quite a story. So I'm imagining that writing this was a bit cathartic for you just to get that anger and rage out. Yeah, it's um, this was the third one. The first one was called The Finding Man. And that that one I wrote with tremendous anger. And I find that each one I write, I'm not quite as angry. But um, but the the purpose remains the same, which is to. I mean, it's just right and wrong. It's simple. Mm-hmm. It really isn't complicated. Yeah. It's what do people do in the in the face of right and wrong? What do people do in the face of evil? How do they how do they respond, react? What do they think about it? And why are they here? I mean, that's the essence, that's the essential question we all have. Right? So what are we doing here? And I think that if I can make my characters have a real purpose, a real passionate purpose for being here, that that readers will be interested in them. I hope that's the case. Not only interested, but almost a subtle teaching tool where, you know, they can learn from these characters without really being hit over the head with it. It's funny you say that because uh, I've had a number of people allude to, to that, and I didn't understand it really until I started asking questions of some of the readers and some people that I, I got to know pretty well who I had a couple of people who read it twice and because they were so interested in what the kind of characters acted and what they did. And I didn't realize that there is a, I suppose, if you want to call it a teaching or a lesson, mm-hmm. that look what happens when you do this or how about what happens when you do that, but nothing changes. I mean, there's, a, there's a, an equal and opposite reaction for every action. So life isn't really that complicated. It just seems to be. You're absolutely right, and I loved how you said it's either right or it's wrong. There's so many instances where there's not that gray area. It is what it is, and so you've got to work with that. You know, this this thing about uh, Snow having this deep sense of intuition that that borders on being psychic. He's not a psychic. Um, That would be too easy. You know, if a psychic could just figure out how everything happened, then there'd be no mystery to it. But if anything, his... His sense of intuition is convoluted because he gets these messages that are, as I said, upside down and inside out, and he has to put them all together like a Chinese puzzle. And um, so to have this kind of uh, uh, intuition about life and about what he's supposed to do is is encouraging to me because it 
it, I think it gives hope, perhaps where sometimes there isn't hope for people. If they just would follow their intuition, they would get a sense. You know, they know. I think everybody knows what's right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a question about it. Um, I think perhaps when we disagree, it's because you have two people who who are stuck in their ideas, or perhaps it's only one. But somebody's stuck in an idea, and they haven't really felt their way through it. You know, everybody talks about thinking their way through things, but I think we, if we felt our way through things, we might do better. I mean, I think that, I think that intuition, or if you will, even people who perhaps are truly psychic, I think that perhaps when we were, you know, 10,000 or 100,000 years ago, we were developing human beings, we had perhaps a, a sense of deep intuition or, or psychic uh, ability like that as one of our tools for survival. I think it's a, uh, what do you call that, what do you call it, vestigial organ, right? Yes. Like, like our appendix or our tonsils. We no longer use them, but we have them. We don't use them anymore because we don't need them. And perhaps the only reason we don't use our intuition anymore is because we think we don't need it because we have all these external tools. But I believe that if you actually, and I, I feel this myself personally, that if I, I know that when I sit back and I allow myself to feel something, if I go in the direction that I feel, even though I don't want to go there, I wind up in a better place. What you're saying is just so true. Um, we've evolved and not necessarily, you know, in the best way possible. Um, right. And especially with so much technology these days, everyone just relies on that. And so many people are just shell of people, just walking around with the cell phone, you know, just fooling with that and not really going in and thinking and not really feeling that they have to. I mean, you could survive without doing that, but it's basically surviving and not thriving. Yeah, it's a little frightening. Um, I mean, I don't like to be, I don't like to think this way, but I wonder what what's going to happen. I mean, uh, the the more... The easier it becomes to get information, the easier it becomes to to solve problems using AI or technology, the less we have to think and the less we think we need to be something, which I think is dangerous. You know, my best friend says that in the world we we have basically two problems, too many people and too much information. And the as far as the too many people, I don't know what we could do about that, but too much information is absolutely uh, it's becoming a weight that's dragging us down because it's, it means we, look, I, I do it myself. I'm going places with my GPS and I think, you know, I used to drive around and I, I made a game out of finding places. Now, if I didn't have my GPS and I walk and I went three streets away, I'd be lost, which is insane. It just, but I, so I'm doing it. I'm admitting to it. I, I'm just being, trying to stay conscious of it and remind myself that I have to use my, my vestigial organs, my, my intuition, my sense of feeling, because that's what we're moving away from is feeling. Well, lots of us. I'm not saying everyone is. I think that's part of the, I don't want to get into politics, but that's part of one of the things we're faced with in this country, is that we're not allowing ourselves to relax and just actually feel what's true. Absolutely. And we can talk for the rest of the day about this. Uh, I would would actually love to, um, because we're kind of on the same page here. But um, yes, 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 yes. But we'll keep we'll keep in line with the book. So let's talk about the cover. How did that come about? Uh, The publisher, you know, I I had an idea about, um, you know, it's funny because I don't know if I should give this away or not. No, I'm not going to give it away. So there's <laughs> there's a, an aspect of the cover that's kind of um, that's kind of 
unusual. And I maybe somebody maybe we'll have a contest someday and see if people can figure out what it is. But I just wanted a sense of of desperation and water, particularly because everything that happens around snow happens around water. I don't know if you noticed. You read the book, yes? Yes. Yeah. So everything is there's water everywhere, and there's a reason for that too. But um, so we had to have water, and we had to have a sense of like. In the background, there's like, you know, it's a little bit bleak, and then there's this hand coming out of the water, and there's a message in that. Um, and I leave it up to the reader to, to figure out what that is. But I just gave that, what I just said to you, I said to the, to the um, graphic artist, and they came up with that, and I just absolutely loved it. I almost fell over when I saw it because it's exactly how I wanted to feel. <laughs> I love that when that when it happens, and I hear that from people quite often, where they had that vision, put it out there. Hopefully, you're working with the right person or the right people, yeah, and they yeah. can bring that vision to reality. That's exciting. For whoever's listening to this, in this world, for an artist, and in my, from my perspective, I can only speak to writing because I'm a musician, but I don't actively try to play anymore. Um, that it's really difficult to compete. And to get out there in this world because of, everybody thinks it's easy because of Amazon, but it's not, it's harder. Because now there are a million people, everybody, everybody believes they can write a book, and I'm sure they can. But it makes it, and they self-publish, it makes it so difficult to get people's attention. Because they, they have so many things to choose from, which is actually, you know, what's, what the challenge is when you turn on your phone or you turn on your computer. Where do you go? There are so many places to go. And so it's, it's such a challenge to get the, to, to present people with um, a, a piece of work like the death of Harry Crow, but also to sort of subtly hope that they'll get that there are messages in there, that there's hope in there, and there are observations from a, from my, you know, I, I don't know how much worth it has, I don't know how weighty it is, but I've lived a very unusual life, and I've I've been blessed to have been uh, to have, have escaped death quite narrowly on, on a number of occasions. And, and I believe the reason is to be able to get this, this message out, which is, you know, as well as uh, in all the books, that's the idea. It's not just, not just telling, it's not frivolous, not just telling a story. Right. right. And you feel that when you read the book. And so I hope folks listening will make it a point to get a copy of your book. So why don't you share, if you would, where they can do that, where they could find out more about you. Well, the easiest way to get the book would be on Amazon or Barnes and & Noble. And they can just type in my name, Leith C. MacArthur, or The Death of Harry Crow. Uh, as well, they could go to my website if they want to know more about how it is that I came to, to, you know, to be writing these kinds of books. Um, there's a lot of information. Uh, by the way, the website is, uh, is LeithCMacArthur.com. And uh, there's a lot of information about different aspects of my life and how it is that I came to to write these different books. And there's, there's reference to a few other books. I, <laughs> I wrote a car for women on how to buy used cars. Where the hell does that come from? I saw that. <laughs> like, <laughs> how's that related to, <laughs> to uh, the death of Harry Crow? Um, but also an artificial life, which is a memoir about my life, um, which is a whole other story. But um, I think those are the two best places where they can find out information about the book. Excellent. Well, before we head out, anything we missed? Anything you wanted to bring up or talk about? Oh, we missed so much. I know we did, didn't we? <laughs> oh my gosh! But no, it's no, it's wonderful. It's been really good talking to you, Pat. I appreciate your uh, your openness and your, uh, particularly your the uh, symbiotic kind of sense we have for for life. 
I hope you can submit more books so that you and I can have another opportunity to speak. I've already finished a sequel to The Death of Harry Crow, and I'm working on a sequel to the sequel. It's just a question of, uh, I think the biggest the biggest thing is reviews. You know, it's so hard to get reviews. And uh, if, if anyone out there reads the book, and I, I'd really appreciate it if they'd leave a review on Amazon. That would be so helpful. It's true. It's true. I think so many people read and enjoy, but then that whole review process is like pulling teeth. I don't know why. Yeah, I know. And, and as you know, independent authors, that's what, that's what they really go on is reviews. Yep. All right, folks, read The Death of Harry Crow by Lee. Read The Death of Harry Crow. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we're going to leave. Sorry, I stepped all over you. <laughs> That's how we're going to leave everyone today. The Death of Harry Crow by Leith C. MacArthur. You're fabulous. This was awesome, and I hope we can do it again. Thank you so much, Pat. Have a great day.